is Control Structure, episode 102 for February 24th, 2016. Big week to everyone listening. This show has notes. Visit thenexus.tv slash cs102 to see them. I'm your host, Stephen Orvis, and with me is the other host, Andrew Bailey. I'm still not going to tear apart a transmission. Have you been watching more transmission videos? No. No? I just want to make that clear. I mean, some people were thinking that I might tear apart my own transmission. I'm not doing that, nor to any others. Well, your uh, book of uh, thing explainer would probably give you a nice description of the engine, so you could uh, at least know the terms in non-technical terms. Yes. So, and with us somewhere is uh, the Christopher Bauhoff. First, everyone forgets the first, and also, legally speaking, I'm Christopher Bauhoff. Um, technically, you are not the first Chris on this show. Sorry to burst your bubble. Christopher the second. Uh, prove there are not more than 1.5 Chris's around. What if there's a, there's a decimal of Chris's out there? That would be a very scary thought. Anyway... So if uh, you have the guts to withstand most of the fringe, uh, you will hear me eventually renew the certificate on my web server. So good for me. Yes. So right now uh, I have reloaded and I'm good for another two months and 29 days. You have to spend another 30 minutes doing it or will you try to automate it by then? Uh, Hopefully I will, you know, look into automating it by then. So... Like, what I would essentially do is, you know, turn off my web server for obvious reasons, because, like, I'm not exactly sure if it would dynamically load the certificate, but no. just just to be sure, just, you know, turn it off for a while, and then just add another option to the same script that says renew, and then, boom. So, uh, do you, were you thinking that would be a cron job that you just would run every so many months and just let it do its thing? Um, well... The thing about that is, is that it expires every 90 days, except there are four point some 90 day periods in a year. So you can renew it uh, sooner than 90 days though, right? Yes, you can. So you can so, set it to go in like there are, some days? Yeah, they're expecting it, expecting people to renew after 60. Okay. So, so then that gives you a little bit of gap if something goes wrong to figure, figure something out. Yes. But... Given the fact that I thought things initially kind of went rough, that, you know, worked through it within 30 minutes. So it's it's not exactly the time it takes to fix it. It's the time that takes to notice it. Right? You're saying you notice that it's expired and you need to fix it. Yes, to notice that there is a problem. So, um... Uh, let's see. Other things that happened. Um, I walked through, through the mud again this weekend. Did you get muddy? Um, my shoes did. Uh, I slipped a little bit, but did not fall. Good job. So, uh, yes, it was about like 50 or 60 degrees Saturday and Sunday. It has been warm. So, um, let's see. I cleaned up my uh, room a little bit. I'm... I feel very good now that I can see at least half of the top of my dresser. <laughs> there you go. Uh, more on that later. Uh, so, uh, anything cool happen that you did? Um, I started to try to reload uh, some 45 ACP bullets and 
discovered that apparently the bullets that I cast are slightly oversized. Uh, what I did is I reloaded a dummy round where I did not put a primer in and did not put powder in, and I put it to the right length, and then I put it in my gun, and I let the slide forward, and it stuck. <laughs> so I ended up with a doll and a hammer to pound the bullet back out. <laughs> Thankfully, as I said, it was a dummy round, and that was the purpose of a dummy round was to test the fit and such. So yeah, I ordered a bullet resizer, and... Uh, Hopefully get to try to resize some in the next few days and maybe try uh, try a few rounds out for real. So it sounds like you're going real hardcore into that. Yeah, I've been doing the 45 long Colt. It's just uh, the 45 ACP. I haven't done that before. It's a little bit harder because it's an automatic round. So things have to be more perfect so it feeds right and such. Whereas the long Colt, if you can push it in a bit into the cylinder, pretty much is going to go off. So in other words, you're not exactly buying bullets off of Amazon I'm not sure. Do they even have bullets? I am actually positive they have bullets. At least uh, bullets as in bullet bullets. Let's go look and see. Because I know you can buy uh, reloading stuff. Just trying to... I cannot spell and talk at the same time. Amazon. That is what my problem was. <laughs> Amazon. There we go. <laughs> Let's see here. Bullet. Bullets. I'm expecting, like, non-real bullets to come. Bull bottle op hunting and fishing, there's reloader. Uh, if I type in Hornaday, that will probably help. Hornaday. There you go. Sports and fitness is probably good. And book reloading. And cases. We have found cases. Ooh. Maybe it's against their policy. That's actually surprising to me because, like, it's just like... Well, well, um... You're going if you buy something on Amazon and you don't have Prime, you'll need to spend at least fifty dollars worth of uh, stuff. All there, right, there are bullets on Amazon. Put that into the dock. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lucky you, it's sixty dollars. So, <laughs> so, so you can buy bullets and get free shipping, even yes. even without Prime. Uh, I do not have Prime. Do you? I do not have Prime. I had it back in college when it was a freebie deal, and that was pretty awesome to have. So, um, yeah, they've apparently raised this because their costs for fulfillment have gone up. So they want you to spend a little bit more in order to get that free shipping. Uh, but apparently if you buy $25 worth of books, you're good. I, I was thinking about that earlier, and I guess the conclusion I came to was... Maybe they're hoping you're buying all books and then they can send a media mail. That's the only thing I could think of of why they might have that specific rule. Of course, if you mix and match, that throws that kind of out of the equation. So uh, Derek here likes uh, wants to uh, you know expand upon his uh, minimalist lifestyle where he pretty much has a laptop, some headphones, a backpack of clothes, and that's it. Uh, apparently right now he's living in some furnished, pre-furnished apartment with a roomie. And, you know, he, he mostly, most of this article is him saying that he doesn't want to get gifts for Christmas and his birthday, which is something that I can get behind after, you know, going through all of my crap in my bedroom, <laughs> where I pretty much keep, you know, a lot of the loose stuff that accumulates. So... Uh, like, as I said, I was cleaning things, and I got this bag of, like, bills and, like, 
things with my social security number on it. Put that into a plastic bag, took that to work, and over the next couple of days I'm going to be using the shredder. Because I have a lot of stuff to shred. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really thinking about getting my own, but like this is all I need to shred right now. So yeah, it's just and it's been it's not too bad. Yeah, and this has been piling up since like twenty thirteen. Yeah. Remember back when I had my own apartment, I used to keep a box, and I would put any mail that I got, or, like, say if I had got some of my health insurance, I'd throw it in the box, and that way I wouldn't accidentally throw it out, and it'd end up in a dump someplace. At home, we just throw anything away, because it goes in the furnace, and yeah. who cares? We burn it up and make global so, warming happen. So, as you can see, I have not one, but two boxes next to my door. Uh, of the mini weeks? Yeah, of the cereal boxes uh-huh. there. Uh, but those are used to, like dump my uh, physical spam into so I can take it out to the recycle bin. And that would be non-private information. Yes. You know, things like coupon flyers and stuff. So, um... Yeah. I, I think his his thing, though, of no stuff, it's to be totally minimal. Like, that. Like he still has stuff. He says his apartment is furnished with the stuff, but it's kind of his stuff that he needs it to live. <laughs> And depending on what you live, like he says he has his laptop and his headphones, that's what he needs to live, but someone else uh, in some other occupation or living in some other place would have other things that they need to live. So he's really just saying he only needs the stuff in his point in life that he needs. Yes. So, um, you know, I can kind of get on board with this because I may be switching my housing as a service provider Switching housing as a service provider. Very nice. So, you know, because I don't own it, I pay a monthly fee, and it scales to my needs. That is pretty much exactly what it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I may be making a large move, uh, like over towards Castle Shannon, actually. I don't even know where Castle Shannon is. Um, I'll show you later. for this episode's Good on Apple. <laughs> Wait, Good on Apple? Yeah, I, it's kind of weird for me to say that because, like, I think you would call it prejudice still against Apple a little bit. I, I would agree with that, and I, I definitely have it too. Uh, to me, previous to this, uh, the only good thing I have seen Apple do was I was really impressed with their cables for charging their laptops, how they had a magnet in it. If you yeah. tripped over it, it, like, didn't destroy the laptop. I thought that was genius. That is the only thing I have liked about Apple ever. Uh, coming to every other laptop manufacturer in approximately 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, what they're doing right now kind of supersedes any of that. So, uh, once upon a time, back in December, there was that one terrorist shooting in California. Uh, apparently, one of them had an iPhone that, uh, I guess, was, like, actually belonged to the San Bernardino, count- like, city government. Uh, so, they recovered that, and now the FBI has it, and they can't exactly examine that phone because it's encrypted, and... Like, each time you put in the wrong passcode, it, like, makes... 
it's like an exponential scale of waiting. Ha, so you can't brute force it because it's going to take forever. And, and on the tenth time, it just wipes it all. Oh, so they probably haven't tried it too many times. Yes. So, um... So they're kind of in a quandary. So they're like, hey, we're the FBI. We can just get a court order to tell Apple to make a new operating system to, to flash this with. So we can, like, brute force it as many times as we want. What a great idea. So that's what they've served Apple with. And Apple has uh, made it absolutely clear that it, is, that it opposes a court order to create a new version of iOS so the FBI can brute force the passcode on this shooter's iPhone to get maybe whatever juicy terrorist connection goodies that they can. So what's good from Apple's point of view is they have, they said that they've complied with FBI for data requests. This is that they, there's some information they've given them. Yeah, like even given there, there was a uh, iCloud backup from about six weeks prior to the event. Yes, and uh, they, all they needed to do, supposedly, Apple said was to take it to a network where it had previously been on, then it would connect to it, and there's some way they could get the data back. But ironically, uh, I believe it was the police force, you had said, yeah. uh, had reset the password, and so now they can't do that anymore. At the request of the FBI. So they shot themselves in the foot. Yes. So, um, yeah, so... Apple isn't particularly worried about this one iPhone. They're worried about the precedent that it would set. So, uh, apparently, like, police departments and other government entities around the U.S. have, you know, been holding iPhones for a while. And once, like, Apple does this, then it is known for a fact that such a capability exists, such a backdoor exists, and, like, they would want to go through it as many times as they possibly could. The article actually said that they already had, I think, uh, ones contacting them about it. Maybe, like, placed on the waiting list, essentially. And so it's, to the article's point, uh, it's basically making a key that would never, ever be destroyed or go away. Because, like, it's internet-related. Yes. After all, it's called the Internet Phone, or iPhone for short. Or at least that's what the iMac was originally, like, abbreviated as. I actually never knew why the i was there. I always assumed it was, like, a marketing strategy for, like, the it, people. It eventually... personable or something. It eventually became that. Ha, that's interesting. Um, thankfully, well, I'm not exactly sure if putting i in front of everything is better than putting e in front of everything. Like what we did ha. back in the 90s also. <laughs> oh, email! <laughs> Ebooks. So... Anyways, so the core problem with this, beyond uh, the security issue of making backdoors, uh, I was thinking about it, and so they like, can subpoena Apple and have them give up their information or this or that, but what they're asking for is something different than what's normally asked for. They said that like they gave them everything they could possibly give them. Yeah. They're asking Apple to do something to make another operating system. That currently does not exist. Yes, exactly. And so that's what I'm getting at is they're basically saying you have to do something for us to your point that doesn't exist. And that, that feels like another boundary that has not been crossed before really that I've heard of too much. Uh, like when lawsuits and stuff typically is to give something up 
that you have. This is to make something, to be creative, to make something. The government is want, trying to tell them to do something creative. And something that no one else wants. Yes. <laughs> to be clear. So, you know, with all this encryption stuff, why don't we just ban it? You know, just like get rid of all of this, you know, play devil's advocate here and just, you know, you can't encrypt anything. Well, except the only problem is the U.S. only goes so far. Like, I heard once that there's places that aren't America. What? I know. I've been to, like, two places, like, twice. So, um, the thing of it is, most encryption products and even encryption standards are not made in the United States. Which seems to present a problem if you depend upon not uh, allowing U.S. companies to create encryptions without backdoors and hope that that covers everything. So, um, let's see, I forget exactly what... This study called a Worldwide Survey of Encryption Products uh, identified 546 products from developers outside the United States, a number representing two-thirds of the 865 that are available worldwide. So, um, da, 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 I, so yeah, like at least half of encryption stuff, you know, is not made by Americans. Which is a significant amount. So, uh, uh, in fact, I would like to point out that the advanced encryption standard uh, uh, actually came out of a competition hosted by the uh, was it the National Institute of Standards and Technology, a branch of the U.S. government? Like, they held a standard to, to, you know, have everyone, okay, make the best symmetric block encryption algorithm that you can. So, uh, like, everyone from around the world qualified to do this. And in fact, uh, I think it was made by, I think it was like two Belgians that made uh, the uh, winner. I think it was something called Rheindahl, and more recently, uh, like, ever heard of SHA? Yes. So, there's SHA-1, which everyone's moving away from, SHA-2, which everyone should be on, and SHA-3 came out, like, two or four years ago, and, uh, again, that was a, you know, an open contest, just like AES was. And uh, the winner was also not, you know, from the U.S. In fact, one of the people behind AES helped make the SHA-3 winner. So clearly all of the brains aren't in the U.S. Clearly. So, um, yeah, good luck with uh, trying to ban all the encryption One stuff. One interesting thing was, I, I forget if this is the FBI director, uh, someplace in the article, uh, he had mentioned... Yes, this FBI director, he mentioned that uh, really to fix the going dark thing of everything being encrypted, you'd have to make, he says, uh, make a legal regime regime spanning North America, Europe, and China. So that sounds pretty impossible to actually make, say, China do stuff. Yeah. Well, of course, China always wants to spy on everyone. So (laughs) they might... They'd be all in on that. They'd probably say yes and then not actually do it, <laughs> but then accept the backdoors from us. They'd love having backdoors to all of our stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that Germany is not going along with that. 
So you have at least one country that probably wouldn't do it. Well, I'd say most of the European Union would not go along with that. So, in case you're wondering how all this encryption works, uh, I wrote a rather simple explanation of what kinds of encryption that there are and how it works on the web. So, uh, as mentioned previously, I got the XKCD thing explainer. So, you know, I, I'm, how should I say, I'm not exactly a rabid fan. Uh, you know, I kind of watch XKCD from time to time, if you can call it that. But, uh, like, I remember, uh, uh, reading the, uh, US Space Team's Upgoer 5. Like, I remember looking at that. And I'm like, okay, this is a pretty cool way of describing things, which basically takes the top 10 hundred words people most use uh, in order to describe something. Because apparently the word thousand is not in the top thousand words used. So uh, uh, it was made really easy because uh, the XKCD guy, uh, Randall Monroe, he made a uh, simply a text box on a web page that scanned all the words you typed into it and made sure that they're in the top 1,000 words. Huh. So unfortunately, I didn't have this in the doc, but uh, I will put it in there. Um, so yeah, I described you know the categories of encryption, uh, also accidentally explaining why websites will not just tell you what your password is. There is a reason behind that, or at least there should be. <laughs> Not storing the password in plain text. And uh, I also explained the HTTPS handshake, which up until about a year ago was complete but black magic to me. So uh, one phrasing I found in there that was interesting because of, uh, as you said, the, what, the top 10,000 word list uh, was uh, hiding machine, meaning encryption. I thought that was a, a clever name. Well, for hiding it. machine, I was more referring to like the actual libraries that used. That does it, but essentially going back to the encryption. Okay. Uh, and for some reason, I got kicked out of the dock because uh, I'm stupid. There you go. So uh, I pretty much explained how Phil Zimmerman used, uh, uh, was it PGP? to uh, get around U.S. export controls over munitions. Yes. Uh, which, you know, for, like, the longest time, I'm going to be bringing up, you know, because freedom of speech let everyone around the world have, like, as much encryption as they wanted. As many hiding machines as they wanted. And as as long as keys that they thought necessary. As long as keys. <laughs> so... Hey, speaking about HTTPS handshakes, uh, hey, I just uh, up, uh, I just renewed my web server certificate from Let's Encrypt, the uh, the free uh, how should I say certificate authority um, that uh, pretty much everyone's using. It seems like seems like they are. Uh, so one of the guys that uh, it seemed like formerly uh, was a part of Let's Encrypt. Uh, he did a survey, now that it's been out for about three months, uh, he did a survey of as many secured websites as he could 
to gauge the market share of Let's Encrypt. And even though it's only been in public beta for three months, it has already grabbed about a 10% market share, if you can call it that, of uh, certificates uh, securing websites. It seems like uh, the one table there is showed uh, uh, towards the bottom. Uh, That one right there. Most observed unexpired certificates by issuer... Uh, it has come. I don't know. How it's Komodo. Komodo. Okay. And then Symantec, GoDaddy. Then it's Let's, Let's Encrypt. So that makes it what the fourth highest one yeah. as far as unexpired certificates. So that was in of itself impressive because there's ones below like Global Sign or DigiCert that you kind of recognize. Uh, and so now it's better than recognizable brand names in, as you said, a very short time. And it's still in public beta. So this means it has Google levels of popular beta thing. Of course, free stuff always garners good attention, so uh, of course, perhaps that's helping. Of course, seeing uh, Smart SSL here, that's like the original free certificate authority, but its website is so obtuse and clunky to use. Like it, uh, it basically requires your browser to have a certificate in it in order to authorize. Uh, it, instead of like putting in a password, like your browser needs to have a key pair in it to log into their website. Yes. Do you know how painful that is? That sounds really painful, and it sounds like someone there is like, "Hey, we're a certificate authority. Wouldn't it be cool if we could log in using certificates?" Be like, "Let's do it." Yeah. So. Um, you know how hard it is to actually keep track of those, especially if you, like, reinstall your operating system? <laughs> Bye-bye keys. Or, like, you know, decide that, oh, I want to use this other machine to renew the certificate. Isn't happening. Sorry. So, yeah, there's tons of usability problems there. Plus, it seems like that would be easy for someone to steal if they hack in your machine. Because, like, say I have KeePass, and I know you use KeePass too. If someone hacks into your machine and takes your database uh, file, are you going to spend a lot of sleepless nights? You're supposed to say no, since it's encrypted? Yes. Okay. I I almost didn't recognize that question there, but okay. yes. So, so yes, so it's encrypted, whereas if they steal the uh, your key that you use to log into the website, it's probably done. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure what browser support... They have over, uh, like, passwording those. But, uh, yeah, it's... I've never seen any other website do that. That's very weird. Uh, Even corporate internal websites, I've never seen use that. Really, the closest thing I can think of is at college. They had this thing with... To hop onto the Wi-Fi. You, of course, had to use your credentials from the college, but... You also had to have a certificate installed on your machine and to hop on the Wi-Fi. That's the closest thing I've seen hmm. to something like that. It was very weird, very painful. I worked in tech services and like had to fix students' computers, and it was very painful. Macs were the worst because they would <laughs> randomly forget the certificate. It's like, why do you do this to me? Then you play with it a little bit. You don't really know what you did, and it just starts working again. You're like, here you go, take it before it stops working. So... That's actually a legitimate contribution to your Apple prejudice. Yes. <laughs> Macs are very hard to use. <laughs> Despite the advertising. And it seems like Macs have problems with updates, too. Yeah, they do. Uh, more on that later, though, although it's not exactly 
Well, I guess it kind of is specific to Mac, but uh, we'll 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 get onto that. Um, so moving on to uh, something a little bit brighter and more cheerful, like uh, graphics. Ooh, pretty. so so uh, you've heard us talk about Mantle before. Yes, I actually got a graphics card that supports Mantle, even though I have never done anything with it at all. Okay, uh, and there was an announcement, I'm not sure how long ago, of something else called Vulcan, which is pretty much along the same lines of a sort of low level, you know, closer to the actual how the graphics card works kind of API. Um, so apparently Microsoft, you know, got the idea and essentially made DirectX 12 like that. Mm-hmm. So now the we need the OpenGL equivalent, which is Vulkan, which uh, hit version 1.0, finally released last week. Uh, so there's the specification, uh, like even conformance tests, which is really interesting. Um, and I believe NVIDIA has released a driver. Um and then uh, AMD uh, has a driver too, uh, but I don't think it's actually been released, uh, which is kind of odd because like it's essentially like Mantle with like a slightly different interface. So you're thinking they could probably just map it straight up to Mantle with a little bit of tweaking? Yes, but I've also heard rumors that the NVIDIA driver is a mo- little more unstable. Uh-huh, so maybe they're doing some more testing yeah. instead of getting in trouble like NVIDIA is. So, um, yeah, it looks like uh, the future is going to be pretty and fast. Um, so Backblaze, remember them? I do. They're the ones that every so often say, hey, these are our hard drives we had for the last quarter and these ones failed and these ones didn't. Yes, so uh, they finally got rid of their troublesome Seagate drives that were dragging down the Seagate average. Um, So much so that now Western Digital is their least reliable uh, manufacturer. Uh, So, uh, and they are also like uh, going through their inventory of smaller drives and taking those out and replacing them with bigger drives, which... Seems like a reasonable thing to do from time to time. Given that uh, drives are getting so cheap now, so I was reading they were talking about the space storage per square foot and stuff, so that's, I'm sure, challenging making all that fit. And then they had like another problem of, I think it was like the 8 terabyte drives use a lot more power than the 6. It's like 9.4 watts versus like 6-something. Yeah. It was like crazy big. So so they have to like ration their racks of, Uh okay, these bottom ones are 8 and the rest of them on top are 6. So... Which is a worrisome problem, like... Future-wise, if to make bigger drives work, if they have to sap more power, that's going to be a long-term problem. Well, I think the thing is is that the eight tera drives have more platters on them, so it takes more energy to rotate them. Okay, that would kind of make sense then. So that also does then feed to the concern still that I just said that bigger drives are going to cost more energy in the future. But we have solid state drives, and it's all going to be perfect now. Well, eventually. Eventually. So I remember the conversation over this article over, it's like, well, why aren't they using SSDs already? It's like, they're kind of expensive. <laughs> Very expensive. Like, 
like haven't exactly calculated it out, but it seems that they're a good magnitude or more, like thirty cents versus three or something. I'm trying to think of some off off my head uh, prices. So the thing is, you could go over like a cheap SSD. There's a company I forget the name of it. They're an American company. They're known for having good customer support and really lousy SSDs. <laughs> like they have the two, no, no, not two, the one terabyte one, quite often for around two hundred ish. But it's apparently has pretty poor reviews. But everyone says they replace the drive no problem. <laughs> you just hope you have your data still. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, let's move on to the second part of the uh, what I was suggesting there with the Max. Apparently, Adobe uh, last week released an update to Creative Cloud, which is kind of like their Photoshop suite, but it's, you know, online, apparently. Uh, The update to Creative Cloud deleted files on macOS drives, being that Backblaze is rather up there in the alphabet, and the fact that they deal in storing and getting people's files back. They were uniquely suited to analyze this. So, um, yeah, you, you found lots of things interesting about yes, this. Yes, uh, apparently the bug deleted files inside of the folder that was highest in alphabetical order in the root directory, meaning it was the folder called .b something for Backblaze. Well, so, yeah, so Backblaze on Macs, apparently on all of the, uh, uh, I guess they are technically called volumes, but all your partitions, uh, has a .bzvol folder on them uh apparently it's empty i guess it sounded like it may have something in it but it's it's like a label or something yeah it's like apparently some marker on the drive to say this should be backed up by backblaze so uh when this file gets deleted bad things happen yes and users got error messages those error messages got reported to Backblaze, and Backblaze was like, we don't normally get this many uh, support calls. Something must be up. About this particular thing. Uh, so apparently they do have a few Macs at Backblaze, but you know nothing really happened. You know They couldn't reproduce it until sometime that their head designer got the same error message. He told the support team, who had told... Ter- told our lead Mac developer that we had a live case in the office. And so, oh, when he, they said it, it's almost like, oh, we have a real disease in the office. They're all excited about it. <laughs> so after a few hours, our lead Mac dev posted the following message. Uh, it, see, about an hour before he came to report the problem, uh, the Adobe software was updated. So um, that's how they were able to connect the dots. And uh, so they contacted Adobe. Apparently, Ars Technica got involved at some point. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this was solved uh, rather quickly, it seemed like. Yes, it seemed like they really moved on it. Like, you could tell Backblaze obviously cared about it and was doing it. I love their uh, temporary intermediate fix. Apparently, it was to create a sacrifice folder that the update thing could then delete yes so i thought that was clever and kind of funny yes so um hopefully uh if you experience this uh you have observed backup awareness day beforehand uh and you didn't uh you know get any uh unpleasantness i guess so 
yeah, I wonder if someone got fired at Adobe because of this. That's a pretty scary bug. I mean, to delete files that aren't yours is kind of... Uh, a big no-no. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bit. It's like, whoops. So, uh, let's talk about... Yeah, I think the NOAA is a branch of the government, right? Uh, when I saw the acronym, what came to my mind was there used to be this, uh, well, actually still is a channel that some older radios have that you can tune into, and it has, like, weather stuff on it, uh, and you can hear, like, this monotone voice tell you what's going to happen, and it just repeats and repeats forever. Yeah, and those are on special radio frequencies. Yes, not like a normal radio. Like 176 megahertz or so. We have a radio at home that has it on it. it was, yeah. I remember, it was kind of cool. So, the National... Oh, uh, Whoops, that's the ad that plays when you open up the tab. I hate that. But I have no script running. Aha, and that is why I didn't do it to you. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has uh, got a new supercomputer that should allow it to see uh, like anything like a, another Superstorm Sandy to uh, you know show up, that it can actually predict it a little bit better. So that they got a new supercomputer... Uh, uh, does that mean that they're getting new software with it? Was it the old one was just playing too slow and they couldn't, by the time they predicted the storm had already happened? Um, a mix of all of those. So it was actually the uh, European, European weather models that said that Sandy would make a left turn uh, like days before the uh, American models said that it would. So I actually remember that. So apparently the European ones had uh, slightly better computers and software or something? Yeah. So now uh, the NOAA now has the 18th fastest supercomputer and the 42nd fastest in the world. So, you know, hopefully this should, you know, get them uh, sufficient computing capability and uh, data crunching uh, capacity that they need to actually, you know, make weather forecasts that lie less. So I wonder if uh, they kept the old supercomputer they had around. I'm not sure. That would be kind of neat to have a supercomputer say, Hey guys, if you're throwing that out, can I have it? Well, I know that Los Alamos has a small collection of like five. And like, you know, they're kind of, Well, I know that, you know, like three of them are like not record breaking. Like they just like keep around. Uh-huh. So like I'm not exactly sure what happens to supercomputers once no one needs them. So it seems like if it's at least a so-so supercomputer, you can just kind of keep it and do other stuff on it. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe you could cluster it somehow with your other one and help it kind of do like a Raspberry Pi cluster. I don't know if you need to be the exact same thing to cluster. Maybe, I don't know. So, I want to deprecate something. So, uh, you use the uh, Microsoft ecosystem for most of your stuff, right? My personal stuff? I try to stay away from that. At work, I unfortunately do have to use Microsoft Understood. quite a bit. Understood. Do you use any of the Atlassian products? Atlassian? I do not recognize that. Okay, so uh, Atlassian is you know sort of like a... 
I want to say a tool making company that uh, you know they have Jira, they have Bitbucket, okay, um, and uh, they also have SourceTree. SourceTree is a desktop application that allows you to manage your Git and Mercurial repos. So uh, my company has been moving over to to Atlassian products for a while now, and uh, so it was last week that uh, I opened my source tree because I want to manage my repos uh, without having to go to a command line and stab someone. <laughs> command line is awesome. It's beautiful, I, it's pretty, it's simplistic, it's so powerful. It is, but if I can optimize it with a GUI, I will. <laughs> so uh, I open source tree, and after a few minutes it says... Version 1.8 has been released. Let's update. So I'm like, okay. So then, you know, I let it do its thing, and then up, then uh, it reopens, and I'm greeted with this horrible-looking screen with really bad icons in the toolbar. So does the, is the, like, tie-dye thing in the slides bar on the left, like, the actual thing? I did not see that online. Okay. This sort of looks like a Mac screenshot. It does look like a Mac screenshot. So, um, yeah, I don't exactly like the redesign. And also, uh, the most used toolbar button of all time, as far as I'm concerned, is the Git Flow button in Source Tree. Do you see I that anywhere? Do you not see a Git Flow button? So what does in this uh, software, what does the Git Flow normally do out of curiosity? So Git Flow is kind of like how you're supposed to use Git branching. So you got your master branch, you got your develop branch, and then you got your release and feature branches, right? Yep. So like the way you uh, make a branch off of develop for your feature, then merge the feature back into develop and make a release... And then after after like the release is okay, then it gets merged back into both develop and master. Yep. So that's Git flow. And this button says, okay, do you want to start a new feature, a new release, or you know whatever? Okay, so it's something to hold your hand instead of type in and get exactly out minus b new branch. Yeah. So it again GUI optimization. Hey. I I have it like in my quick bash history. I like literally control R a couple keystrokes enter. Well, whatever works for you, bro. <laughs> so, uh, is that on Windows, by the way? It is on Windows, by the way. The new Git Bash, the old one was kind of clunky. The new Git Bash, the latest version of it, is really slick. They've done a lot of things like copy and paste. You can use uh, Control Insert for copy and Control Shift for paste like that was new like previously it was like right click some obscure menu and then you could copy and paste so uh anyways i go on to the uh uh like i this kind of irked me so i went on the uh like the atlassian forums i think uh-huh. or like a bug tracker or something and there were people complaining about both the ui and the git flow button missing so you're not the only one that... So uh, so then uh, apparently you can still use a hotkey to get the Git flow, you know, prompt up. But apparently that was broken. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably why there's no Git flow button. Okay, so 
probably was supposed to be there, but something just disabled it. So, um, I'm like, okay, this is bad. Uh, and then I reverted back to 1.7 whatever. And I immediately told, you know, or at least asked anyone else in the office if they had, you know, had updated source tree. And if it hadn't, do not update. Just don't. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Use source tree 1.7, not 1.8. And uh, would you like to appreciate that uh, git bash? Yeah, git bash, bash is awesome. I type the command. It does the thing for me. Uh, it remembers commands and press uh, to go through the bash history. I have to try the space thing, though. That's kind of neat to uh, be able to use spaces and not remember the history. I, I think the direct application of that is when you type passwords directly into your command line. I always, whenever I do that, I'm like, this is really dumb. I shouldn't do this. <laughs> so now I have a way to avoid that. Anyways, yes, the Windows Git Bash, the newer version of it, uh, I noticed a few different things uh, in it. The one that copy and paste. I also noticed that it actually saved your bash history uh, for longer than just that se session. Previously, is like you close the session down and it was basically bye-bye. Uh, now it actually s persists between runs. Uh, I also saw work with uh, the home directory. You can set on the shortcut where it opens to. Uh, there's a little more intuitive to set that now in the properties menu. And just overall, it, it looks it has a prettier icon too. It kind of like glows and is translucent, so it's all like modern instead of a red block. Wait, do you mean it's more like uh, Windows Vista or 7 it's modern? More, more like Windows Vista 7 modern, yes. And not like Windows 8 10 modern. Yes, this, I just realized that. That's going backwards. Windows 10 goes backwards because of the big, square, blocky yeah. icons. And flat colors everywhere. Imagine that. It's going back to Windows 1. <laughs> it's like... it's like when That's why they probably designed their icon like that. Probably. You know, like the old people, how they kind of start, like, like going back to, like, more childlike things. Just Windows is, like, finally getting old, and Windows is going back to its beginning, and someday Windows would be gone. Hmm... I'm not whether I'm not sure whether I should be happy or sad about that. And then Linux will raise its head, and all gamers will flock to it. And yeah, SteamOS. Um, let's see. Yeah, 20, uh, 2006 will be the year of the Linux desktop. No, two thousand seven. No, two thousand eight. No, two thousand nine. No, etc. So on, so forth. It's getting closer and closer, though. <laughs> One of these days, it'll be more than just tucks. Racer guy that never actually worked because my computer was too slow because the graphics driver didn't work. I remember that trying to make it work, and it's like in Windows it's a decent so-so computer, but then you tried the Tux Racer in Linux and it just lags so bad and it's like this is Lol, terrible. No. So yeah, I guess that's it for now. Um, so again. Do not forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so back up all your stuff. Uh, maybe to backblaze, maybe to external hard drives. Or both. Both would be good. Uh, we don't have any kind of feedback for this episode, at least not that I noticed. I did check my spam, though. Uh, nothing there. Uh, so if you would like to uh, give us some feedback, go ahead and do so on the Nexus.tv. In fact, if you're looking at the show notes, you can go ahead and use that link right there. So, um, yeah, looks like I 
will be uh, going to look at an apartment soon. Um, other than that, it looks kind of whatever. How Just, about you? Uh, the weather's good. Well, uh, I guess uh, well, my bullets, I couldn't resize them right away because there's uh, this lubricant stuff you had to put on them and let it dry. So I've got them sitting at home on wax paper. So I'll probably be uh, reloading here in the next couple of days. And uh, hopefully don't blow myself up too badly or anything <laughs> like that. Too badly. Too badly. <laughs> All right. And Chris is definitely asleep, despite protests to otherwise. Yeah, that worked. So, um, have a good one. You too.